0: to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. Welcome to the Cybertraps podcast. I'm Jethro Jones coming to you from Washington, host of the podcast, transformative principal and author of the book, School X, and how to redesign your school for the people right in front of you. I am a former principal at all levels of K-12 education. Greetings, everyone. I'm Frederick Lane, an author,
1: attorney, and educational consultant based this week in Eastern Long Island, and the author of 10 books, including most recently, Cyber Traps for Educators 2.0, Raising Cyber Ethical Kids, and Cyber Traps for Expecting Moms and Dads. Jethro and I have teamed up to bring timely, entertaining, and useful information to teachers, administrators, school boards, parents, and others about the risks arising from the use and misuse of digital devices.
0: Over the coming weeks and months, we'll be talking to some of the world's leading experts from the fields of education, parenting, sociology, and cyber safety. Join us as we look at what it takes to better navigate our increasingly high-tech world. For more information or to donate to our work, please visit centerforcyberethics.org.
1: And we ask you to visit that terrific website because the Cyber Traps podcast is a production of the Center for Cyber Ethics an independent, nonpartisan educational institute dedicated to the study and promotion of cyber ethics as a positive social force through research, curricula development, publishing and media, professional training, and public advocacy. Greetings there, Jethro.
0: Hello, Fred. Happy Monday. Good to see you.
1: It is good to see you as well. We seem to bop around a little bit, but stay connected. <laughs> so that is all good. But yes, it is a brisk kind of wintry day here and i'm looking forward to our chat
0: well good it is a uh, looks like a nice day here today a little chilly but not too bad so happy for that for sure let's get into Indeed. our topic today which is uh uh pretty exciting we're going to talk about school board cyber traps and you've actually been on a school board so you have much more experience with the cyber traps the challenge though was that you Weren't one to fall into cyber traps because you wrote the book on cyber traps. <laughs> so.
1: Well, I'm I'm pleased to say. Let's let's be clear that I wrote cyber traps first, cyber traps for the young, and cyber traps for educators. After I finished my school board service, mm. uh, but there's no denying that that my work on the school board fed those projects because. I saw stuff. You see, yeah, stuff when you're on a school board,
0: things <laughs> you can't unsee.
1: No, believe me. Yeah, actually, I have, boy, do we have stories that we could tell. <laughs> 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 but let's put that aside for the moment. Um, yeah, just just a little bit of biographical background. Um, I got elected to the Burlington, Vermont school board in 2001 or 2002. I think it was 2001. It's been a while and uh, served on the board for a decade. I spent uh, much of that time either on or chairing various subcommittees, including finance, uh, logically enough, the technology subcommittee where we were dealing with the rollout of different things. Um, And then for the last two years of my tenure on the board, I served as chair of the Burlington School Board. And one of the things that I think was really fascinating about it was that we, because of the way things tend to work in New England, we had to go before the voters every single year with a budget proposal, which got voted up or down by the members of the community. So it, it could be a fairly high tension spring when it rolled around to, you know, what we call town meeting day in northern New England. So I I think it was absolutely fascinating, and I'm really glad that I had an opportunity to do it. Um, It is very much ground zero for the issues that a community is facing, because nothing I think is quite as woven into the fabric of a community as how the schools are run. Mm -hmm. So we were dealing with many of the same issues that you see today, although I think things have gotten a little bit more intense, but certainly watching the role of technology over the decade that I was on the school board was particularly fascinating to me. And obviously, I'm a total geek head about this stuff, and it was going to happen anyway. But the, the thing that I say in a lot of my lectures to school districts and, and to parents is that when I went on the board in 2001, the big thing was that we were trying to negotiate one-to-one initiatives with companies like Apple and Dell and so forth. And then, by the time I got off the board in 2011, we were grappling with the devices that the kids were bringing Mm -hmm. to the schools that were more powerful than anything we could afford to get them. And then, of course, social media was just starting to take off as my tenure came to the end. So, we didn't really grapple with that. The one anecdote that did pop up was very late in my tenure on the school board, there was a fight outside the cafeteria. And by the time the SRO, the student resource officer got out there to break it up, there were five versions of that fight on YouTube. Yeah. From kids with cell phones. It was amazing to us. That was the warning shot right there.
0: Yeah. And it, it wakes you up and makes you realize when, when you're involved in a situation like that, that people are always recording all around you. And you don't think about it before yeah. that, but then all of a sudden there it is plain as day. And it's scary also to think well, like sure everybody's recording everything. And what, what have I been recorded saying? What have, you know, other people around me been recorded saying, and it, it brings us realization. So let's talk a little bit about some of the, uh, recent examples of school board mistraps and, um, Welcome to everybody on Wisdom. We're, we're simulcasting this on Wisdom as well, which is uh, looks to be working out pretty well. Uh, people are there uh, listening live, which is pretty exciting. Um, you can learn more about this podcast at Cybertraps.com. But let's talk about some of the recent School Board Cybertraps. And um, this is... So many of these are just wild. Um, we have a bunch <laughs> in the show notes at Cybertraps.com uh, that will be posted shortly. But just... Um, just tell us one of your favorites of, of this list that we have.
1: Oh, good Lord. It's hard to pick. But I will tell you, we this idea, I think, has been percolating between you and me for the last couple of weeks yeah. because of something that happened in Arizona, which I, to me is just jaw-dropping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so out in Arizona, in Scottsdale, you've got a Scottsdale school district. And the president of that board was a 27-year-old actually attorney named Jan Michael Greenberg. And he got into a online debate or argument with a constituent and sent her an email with a screenshot he had made of his computer. And what was interesting about that, because what he had done was basically captured images of things she had said that he thought proved his point in this argument that they were having what he forgot or didn't realize was that the screenshot he took of his computer included a URL in his browser that showed that he had stored those images in a Google Drive. And it turned out, and this is, I mean, there's layer upon layer of cyber traps here. It turned out that that Google Drive was set up or the settings for it were to be accessible by anybody who had the URL. So she snagged that and got a tech friend to help her understand and go in. And what she discovered blew up in Scottsdale because it turned out that that Google Drive, that Google folder on on the drive contained quote unquote dossiers of dozens of different Scottsdale parents who had various objections to things that the school district was doing. And so this guy and or possibly his father, there's a little bit of ambiguity about all of that, were compiling- Another cyber
0: trap, by the way.
1: I know, oh my gosh, <laughs> I know. This is like a target rich environment. So anyway, the, the deal was that they had collected all of this negative information from public resources and compiled it into these- you know, basically informal background checks about the parents that they were fighting with about district policy. And we don't even have to discuss the specific policies people were upset about, because in a way it's not really relevant. What we're focused on here is the behavior of this school board president. Yeah, And that's, that's you know, I think that's the start and end of this conversation. It's, it, it, <sighs> As a former school board president, it boggles the mind that you would target individual constituents, even if you disagreed with them, for this kind of document collection. Mm -hmm. It's just wildly inappropriate from a privacy perspective, from a good public leader perspective. The list goes on and on.
0: Well, and there's all those complaints and what they have said and emailed you are in your email account already and so to create a separate place to keep track of the dossier on these families is is just mind-boggling right it doesn't make any sense why you would think that would be wise then to put it in an online storage place then to make it accessible by anybody i mean it it just doesn't like
1: it, well, how often, how often, Jethro, have we talked about the, the ultimate cyber trap sin being not understanding how the technology works? Yeah, All right? <laughs> At the end of the day, if you're going to use these tools, whether you're an educator, an administrator, honestly a parent, or a school board member, you have a responsibility to understand how they work. And Google, Google Drives, Dropbox is the same general idea, has two settings. You can have a private setting or you can have a public setting. And you need to take responsibility for going in and making sure which one is correct for what you're doing. So there's that. But, you know, I think that the other thing that popped up, and this probably won't come as a surprise to you, is that given the nature of what he was doing, there was actually a police investigation. And that just concluded about a week and a half ago. And the police determined that there were no laws broken in terms of the collection of information because all of the information that they had stored in the Google drive was public. And this is actually a little bit of a shout out to members of the public, right? That everything that you put forward in the world on social media is fair game, you know, for this kind of commentary or collection. Now, It's inappropriate for a school board president to be doing this because clearly he was hoping to be able to you know rebut arguments they were making or maybe shame them in some way or something like that um and that's that just seems wildly inappropriate but the point being that he hadn't actually collected information that wasn't public so that was number one the second piece and i'd love to get your thoughts on this as a former administrator was that the police were very careful to determine uh, whether or not he had used school equipment when he was doing this, because that might be a different issue altogether.
0: Yeah, definitely a, a different issue. And um, it, what's really fascinating is that it maybe it's not criminally, it's not criminal conduct, but at the same time, it's basically political suicide. Who would ever vote for that person again? I mean, yeah, that kind yeah. of behavior, I certainly wouldn't. And it comes to, uh, the idea of ethics and how that that plays into this, because if you if you're not acting in an ethical manner, which is which is much more than just following the rules, right? Because following the rules is not ethical in and of itself, because the rules may or may not be set up to to be the right thing, right? So and if you if you say that then you could argue in the early 1800s that slavery was okay because the rules allow it but that's not what we're talking about here it's it's about doing the right thing and keeping a dossier on the people that you're supposed to be serving is is not a an ethical thing to do so that the thing you the point you made about knowing how the technology works feeds into the, <laughs> the my favorite one which is The school board in california who was mocking and uh threatening parents on a zoom meeting where they didn't realize that the zoom meeting one was already being broadcast uh and that it was being recorded and so there is a a recording of these school board members saying stuff um in the board meeting and then realizing oh it's already being recorded and it's already on people are already listening to it um And then eventually the whole school board resigns. And that situation is just, (laughs) they don't know what's going on. They think they're in a private meeting and they're not. And uh, one, it's bad that they would say that stuff in a private meeting. And two, it's, it's bad that they think they're in a private meeting when they're not and they didn't understand how the technology works.
1: You know, that's a great reference there, uh, Jethro. I actually had forgotten about that. And I will add it to the show notes before yeah. you post them up, because that is absolutely classic. And that's the one in which the entire school board resigned yeah. because they were the whole thing was so incredibly embarrassing. That is reminiscent of something that arose from my home state of Massachusetts, in which you had a very contentious... School board meeting taking place about various um, issues around school line boundaries and assignment of students, and all of the rest of that. And during the course of the meeting, two or three school board members were texting each other how much they disliked the people who were coming to speak to the school board because they felt like they were being entitled and privileged, and all the rest of that. And the local paper, my favorite, the Boston Globe requested the public records of the school board and those text messages came out and two of the board members actually resigned. And I think that that is such a great reminder to school boards that the material that you create in the execution of your duties are public records. And so you, you have an obligation, number one, to preserve those records And then secondly, they can be disclosed if there's a Freedom of Information Act request or something similar to that. And that was one of the reasons um, we had several excellent attorneys at the Vermont School Boards Association. And they would come in every year and they would do training for the new board members and they would repeat ad nauseum, use your private account for private messages And use your board account for conducting board business. And the reason is that if there's even a single business-related email in your private account, then from a Freedom of Information Act, you may have to produce huge chunks of your private information to prove that you're not using it for public business. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a really key piece. Uh, As I was talking about ethics, I I read... Uh, I'm reading The Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey right now, which is a Mm. great book. And he says... He's a
1: great author. Yeah.
0: He says, The problem in organizations, however, is that many ethics solutions focus on compliance. The compliance definition of ethics is not one of integrity or integratedness. It is a watered-down, devalued definition that essentially means follow the rules. Ethics training, therefore, is often focused exclusively on conformity to Sarbanes-Oxley, which, you know, he's in the business mm-hmm. sector. So he's talking about that and other sure. regulatory and rules based legislation, which is what we'd get in school boards also, and not on clarifying values and fostering integrity to those values and to enduring principles. And as I was reading that and thinking about what we're talking about today, that board policies exist and some of them are wrong. Some of them are right. Right. But if you don't have values and aren't clear about it, then it's easy to make these kinds of mistakes that we're talking about. And, um, and so we've got a lot of things, uh, like I mentioned in the show notes at Cybertraps.com, there is more, uh, more examples and more um, uh, links to news articles about what went on. Uh, but let's talk about some of the issues that are related to this. And I think the first one that we've both talked about here is relationships with constituents. And most boards have policies requiring the board members to treat the public with dignity and respect. And in both of these situations, neither of those things were afforded. And again, that's going, right. Going back to the ethics thing, it's there's there's a rule there. And if you're just following the rules, then that's one thing. But if you really have a value of treating people with dignity and respect, then you wouldn't engage in those types of behaviors from the beginning. And that's the kind of thing that we need to get to. And these are elected officials and people have chosen to put these people in these positions. And hopefully uh, people pay more attention to that when they're, when they're doing, when they're doing their voting.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because if you don't hold people accountable for these kinds of things, then you're not going to see the kind of change we need to get better government in place. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I think it's important for individual citizens to, reflect upon the fact that they have an ethical obligation to the society as a whole, which is to actually put in the time and effort to make those kinds of decisions that improve government. I do want to give one quick shout out, because I, I love the Covey thing, and we should put that in the show notes as well. But um, we've talked a lot about the model code of ethics for educators, right? and one of the overarching principles, principle number four, actually, is an educator's responsibility to the school community. And by this, by the way, educator includes members of the school board as well, as it should. And so the basic concept is that the professional educator promotes positive relationships and effective interactions with members of the school community while maintaining professional boundaries. All of that got violated in that Arizona case. Um, But... But I would encourage people to go to the NASTEC website or to Cybertraps.com. NASTEC is N-A-S-D-T-E-C dot N-E-T. You can look at the model code of ethics for educators there. As I said, there's a copy on our website as well. I'll drop a link in the show notes. Take a look at that because that, like you're talking about, Jethro, the model code of ethics for educators is not a list of things for people to do or not do. But it's a series of principles and standards that people should reflect upon when they're trying to figure out what to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, it, further on in that book, it has another quote that I appreciate from Alan Greenspan, who said, rules cannot take the place of character. And if that's all you're focusing on, then you're missing out on something really important, which is having character. Um Uh, So what are some of the other issues that we run into with these school board cyber traps that we've been talking about and the others that we didn't have time to talk about? (laughs) Sure.
1: Well, a couple of different things that I think are really useful because they do come up in terms of the other conversations that we have with or about educators. So number one, of course, is the role of the First Amendment in all of this, because oftentimes you'll see school board members getting into Difficulty because they make statements on social media that cause uh, controversy within the school community. And we've talked about the fact in the past, uh, we've talked about the fact that educators have to be careful about their public facing comments on social media because while they do have a First Amendment right, it's constrained by the fact that if their comments, cause disruption in the classroom or lessen their effectiveness as an educator, then the school district can still take action Mm -hmm. because ultimately the Supreme Court has said that the goal or the mission of the school district is to provide education. And so if an educator is interfering with that, that trumps their First Amendment perspective or First Amendment rights. It's more complicated with school board members, of course, because they get elected to their position. And so they have greater leeway in terms of what they say, because the assumption is that the voters will exercise their ethical obligation yeah. and respond appropriately if someone is uh, acting badly as the public official. So generally speaking, you're not going to see um, public officials removed. There are some states that do have recall capabilities, recall mechanisms. Um, but it's a, it's a convoluted process, and it, it it often takes longer than their term will be anyway, so it's kind of pointless. But the issue really arises, I think, more interestingly, with comments by a school board member that criticize actions taken by the school board itself, or where they verge into criticizing individual employees within the school district. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think, again, you're not, it's hard to take action against them, but I think you can, you can expect more public criticism when they do that.
0: Yeah. And there's not really a lot that a school board can do to, to punish someone. I mean, you can censure someone, which basically says what you said is not good and we don't like it. But there's that's pretty much right. it, right? I mean, is there and anything more? A bad more to that? person. A bad person. Yeah, you are very, very bad. We do not like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a couple of situations that verged on that uh, in Burlington, but we never quite got that far. Actually, I Actually, meant to ask Jethro, you, in your work as a principal, did you? deal with school boards what's the structure in alaska
0: yeah you know it's different in different districts and states and depending on the size of the district and how involved people are you may or may not be involved so in one district i was required to attend every board meeting in another district they basically said please don't come to the board meetings (laughs) so you know um so it just depends on on what the size of the school district is and and how uh how distributed the leadership is amongst um, everybody, you know, the bigger the school district, the more difficult it is for an individual principal to have um, an impact or a say on things. But at the, at a smaller district, you know, principals are, are one of a handful of leaders. And so they do have um, a voice and have something to add to it. So one of the districts I was in, they did actually censor um, one of the school board members, Wow, And it was it was interesting to see. And I don't remember all the details, but I might be able to find a link to it. And if I can, then I'll put it in the show notes <laughs> yeah, also. No. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, but, I, I, I just dropped a link to that Oakley school board in California. That was the name of the district. Okay, good, thanks. Uh, where the board bailed. Yeah. Um, go ahead. You were saying.
0: Well, uh, just they said that there's um, – you know, we censure this person, but then there's really nothing they can do. So he could run for reelection. And if what he says the people like, then he can be reelected. And in this particular instance, I don't think that this, this uh, uh, school board member ran for reelection. I think he just said, okay, that I'll, I'll leave when my term is up. And, you know, yeah. th- that's usually like the best outcome you can wish for, right? Because there's oh, not I- much other recourse. <laughs>
1: Right. And well, and, and the lack of resource, recourse is, is really remarkable in some instances. Like one of the things that we cite in the show notes is this case from California where you've got a board president who was caught in a child pornography sting operation and law enforcement identified something like 50,000 images of contraband material on his computer he still had a ter- a year left in his term yeah. now obviously he he got booted as board president but there was no way to remove him from the board and logically enough he didn't run for re-election the the following year but but that shows i think at some level the the almost the sanctity of public office right that it takes it takes pretty dramatic efforts to get to get an elected official out of an office before their term is up,
0: yeah. Um, so I, I did find it's it's funny because you just brought this up. Uh, this yeah. board member was censured for making disparaging comments about an employee in the district, and uh, yeah. um, and spreading rumors and damaging their character. So uh, it is pretty much what uh, what you had just mentioned, which is really interesting too.
1: Yeah, that that's actually quite interesting. That does not happen very often because. In my experience, most board members really take that pretty seriously, that, that that's the real line not to cross, interfering with the operation of the school district or individual schools, um, because it's it's a wildly inappropriate thing to do as as basically the ultimate arbiter of what takes place in the district. Mm-hmm. I mean, for instance, for that guy, one of the reasons it's so serious, and we did run into this on the Burlington School Board where people would really try to stick their noses <laughs> into things yeah. That they shouldn't, is that at some point, if you have to have a disciplinary proceeding or you're making budgetary choices or what have you, that kind of interference or criticism of an individual makes the rest of the process really suspect.
0: Hmm. Yeah, because if you can't trust those at the top, then how can you trust in, in any other decisions that they make, you know?
1: Well, absolutely. And, and also, it just does such a terrible thing to the morale of a district as i'm sure you you can imagine yeah. uh, or you may you may know full well but but uh, it's it's a you know again we come back time and time again to the influence that social media has on these institutions and school board members are no different from other people in the school community they're using social media um, in some cases they're being criticized on social media maybe vociferously the decisions that they've made and it's it's difficult not to respond Mm -hmm. and and that's something that i think school board members in particular should reflect upon is that things that they say will undergo even greater scrutiny than teachers because of the position the decision-making power that they have
0: yeah and uh, and that decision-making power can often be um unappealable except to sue the district and and for an employee or um, a parent those are those are big questions that you need to ask of is it worth it to do this and is it worth it to really push back or should i just move which honestly a lot of people do or pull my Mm -hmm. kid out or you know get a different job or whatever the case may be um and it it really is um unfortunate when these things happen thankfully these are very few and far between when this stuff happens and that I think is the, the positive aspect of this, but so much more scrutiny is on school boards now because things are being streamed regularly. I mean, in Alaska, we always streamed what we were doing because of um, the difficulty in traveling and having remote sites in our, in our school districts. So that was a natural thing for us to do, but now because of COVID, everything's out there. So people are, Watching and recording and paying attention in ways that they just haven't been before, especially since the decisions they're making are so impactful to so many people um, by orders of yeah. magnitude more than they have been before.
1: I, I can't imagine being on a school board during this pandemic. I mean, the choices are just brutal. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it has drawn a big, bright line underneath the role and the importance of schools in terms of the normal functioning of our society. I mean, in terms just of child care, I mean, we don't want to call schools childcare per se, but just in terms of time where parents don't have to be supervising their kids, putting aside all of the educational aspects that obviously schools provide, that, that I think has been a real shock to a lot of people. And I know that a lot of anger is directed at schools because there's this very real impact on parents in terms of their ability to function as workers. And in terms of this uh, future book that I've got in the queue um, on the impact of technology on men and maleness, one of the things you have to look at is that something like 25% of women have left the workforce because of the parenting issue related to schooling.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a real issue for sure. Um, I'd like to bring up a guest from wisdom, that app that I was talking about, if that's all right with you. So, uh, Maccabee Griffin, I'm going to choose you, um, mostly because he has voice actor in his bio here. So that means we're going to get a really good sound. So Maccabee, I'm going to bring you up. And, uh, if you're not available, then certainly you don't have to, uh, you don't have to check, but I just invited you. Hopefully you'll be able to join us here in just a second. Um,
1: this is offering all kinds of interesting potential.
0: Yeah, I know. And we've got about 20 people listening right now. And I think they need to um, accept the invitation to do it. So, um, so I might uh, to speak
1: to speak to you.
0: Yeah. So I, yeah. I just invited him. We'll see what, uh, what happens there. But yeah, um, I think okay. This, well, let me
1: close. Let me yeah, close out with one last quick thing here, Jethro, because um, you know this is something that applies to um, educators as well, but I think even more so to school board members, which is that given the scrutiny that school board members face, it's important for them to have a conversation with their spouse and with their kids mm-hmm. about the role that they have in the community and how social media statements and online activity by those individuals can reflect upon them as public leaders. And, you know, we talk about raising cyber ethical kids. Um, You know, we're really proud of the work we've done on that. There's a lot of guidelines in there about how to have those conversations with your children and hopefully your spouse and getting everybody to think about the implications of what they do online.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, and and you really do. So Maccabee, it looks like cannot. Um, it didn't work. So hmm. I, I'm gonna. Sometimes things uh, they they don't. You know. Is there
1: a messaging capability?
0: Can they? No, unfortunately. All right, Joe. I'm gonna try to bring you on also, and we'll see if we can get you to uh, to join us. So let's see, Joe. If you can if you can hear me and jump on. That would be great. You know, we'll see if he does. Well, this is,
1: you know, for our audience, this is real-time tech testing. I love it.
0: <laughs> and it's a little bit scary to do it live, but um, yeah.
1: I, I love it. But I, I think this does open up some potential in terms of getting interaction and feedback from people on these issues. I think they're relevant to a lot of folks. So
0: Yeah, they sure are, because everybody everybody lives in a school district and whether you have kids that go there or not, it's important to know who's making decisions about your community um, as an elected official. Um, So anyway, and there's
1: also the broader societal impact. We all have an interest in good schools and good education
0: for sure. All right. Well, my little plan didn't work, so I'm going (laughs) to, apparently I don't know how to do this gig, which, you know, is not surprising i'm i'm always learning new things so this is one where it was a live fail on air congratulations <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, well we'll we'll put a note in the show notes to identify something that rarely occurs Jeff, right
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we are such professionals this never happens anyway
1: yeah, right. <laughs> all right so um I think the only other thing I'd drop in here before we start to wrap this up, um, take a look at the different cases that we've got listed. Um, Bear in mind that, um, you know, the things that you share as a school board member will be attributed to you, even if you're just uh, resharing or reposting and you're not actually creating content um, for, for public officials, whether they like it or not. Retweets are seen as endorsements and they'll be taken as such. And, you know, there's there's great material on that case in Vermont from a few years ago of a guy who just, you know, who he would spend his evenings just retweeting stuff to or, excuse me, sharing stuff, resharing stuff on Facebook. And again, like so many people, he thought only his family members who completely agreed with him would be able to see those. And that's not the way it works, folks. So. No, it's not.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> make better choices. That's
1: right. Make better choices. See, what we really need, Jethro, for these are the chirons that just like we can select our favorite statements. Like, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we were doing this with Haps.TV, we were able to to put some of those chirons in. But that uh, that technology tool has been updated and changed and doesn't work anymore also. So... Or the way that we had originally planned. Stuff breaks, you know? It sure does.
1: All righty. Well, that wraps up this interesting and (laughs) fast-moving and (laughs) experimental episode of the Cybertraps podcast. In the coming weeks, we will continue our coverage of emerging trends in a variety of areas, including digital misconduct, cyber safety, cybersecurity, privacy, and the challenges of high-tech parenting. Along the way, we'll talk to our growing collection of international experts who are helping us to understand the risks and the rewards of digital technology.
0: You can find the Cybertraps podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. We hope that you'll share the show with your friends and colleagues and reach out to us if you have questions or topic suggestions. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Jethro Jones and Fred is at Cybertraps. And if you're still listening, you must have enjoyed this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating and review in your podcast service of choice. We appreciate having you in our audience and look forward to having you join us on our next episode on Thursday with Sini Ninkovic. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually.